Hello, everyone. I'm Richard Beatty, and welcome to My Matters, where we are working towards counseling the culture. Last week, we were speaking with Grace Fox about her new devotion. It all is about a nautical theme, or at least a guiding theme of grace. Rita Schulte is with me, and she has a license to counsel and a passion to minister. Jesus is all we need. We don't realize that until he's all we have. Exactly. And I think when I lost Mike, and I you know, wanted to kind of flip this back to, you know, your purpose for wanting to write this series of devotionals, because I had one that I read for probably two years. It was called Streams in the Desert. I can't even think who wrote it, but it's pretty famous devotional. And it really helped me in so many ways. It's very heavy. It's intense. A lot of kind of, you know, people that are going through very, very difficult times, which of course I was. And it really spoke to me just each, each, each day, each morning, there were just some that I was just underlining, underlining. People need that sense of hope with a devotional. Was that the purpose of these books that you've written? Yeah. You know, let me say that this is the third of three. The first one was released, get a load of this, December 2020, when the whole world was in crisis. And the title of that little book was um, Finding Hope in Crisis, Devotions for Calming Chaos. Wow. And then came Keeping Hope Alive, Devotions for Strength in the Storm, and then Fresh Hope for Today, Devotions for Joy on the Journey. And all I could think, I actually pitched this idea of very short, very short, tightly focused devotions for people needing hope at a writer's conference in 2018. Three editors expressed interest, but then they all eventually rejected it. And I thought, well, I'm so busy now with international travel. I'm just going to put this on a shelf for a bit. And the title of the first one, Finding Hope in Crisis, it was not that title at first. And I, and I, but I kept thinking, I don't like the title that I have. I need to come up with a fresh one, but I don't have time to think about that right now. So I put it away. And then in 2020, I went to a, a, a retreat with some other author friends. And one of them was telling me about a hard time she'd had the fall before. And boom, in the middle of that conversation, there was this download and the new title came and a finding hope in crisis. And I knew, I just knew in my spirit, that was it. That was it. It was going to, it was going to go. But then I had missions conferences to go to in January and February. My mom had been diagnosed with a benign brain tumor on Christmas day of 2019. And so she went through radiation the beginning of March. I had two women speaking events uh, beginning of March. And then I got on a plane the next day and flew out to Alberta to help my mom for 10 days. When I flew back, it was March 18th and the world was shutting down. The airport that I went through was a ghost town. And uh, I remember thinking, whoa, okay, I'm supposed to be in Poland in a week, but that's not going to happen. And now all my speaking engagements were canceled within 24 hours. Everything was gone. And so I called up my agent and I said, I have this idea. And what do you think? So he pitched it and it landed on the desk of Aspire Press at just the right time. I could see God's handprint all over it. But I kept thinking, I want to provide a resource for people who are in that crisis moment where they just received a phone call. They just have received a, you know, a cancer diagnosis for them or a loved one. Or maybe um, you know, a child has come home and just boom, dropped a bombshell on them and they don't they just can't even think straight. Um, they've just lost a loved one in an accident or they're sitting at the bedside of a loved one. Somebody in that crisis moment, 
who desperately needs that nugget of hope to hang on to. But, you know, to get into the word, and I said it before, I have a huge love for the word. If I didn't, I wouldn't be teaching it. I wouldn't be hanging on to it like I do. But but I know when I've been in crisis, I cannot sit there and and wrap my head around a long passage. I need something that's short that I can remember mm-hmm. and uh, when my mind is in that crisis mode. And so that was really why I wrote the book. And um, and who would who would guess that the first one would come out in that year where pandemic we, we were all in crisis? Who saw that coming? Right. God did. And that's beautiful timing. That's how he works. Yeah. And so are the books structured the same way? Are they all like a normal devotional would be? They are. Well, they have the title and then there's a little key verse. Then there's a section called pause, which is the teaching. Mm-hmm. And then there's ponder. So it's one personal application question, because unless we apply the truths that we know, there's no life change. We can fill our heads with knowledge, but we have to do something with that knowledge. And so the little ponder question is to help us do that. And then pray one sentence prayer. And then there's a quote from a well-known author or um, teacher, pastor that really helps to tie everything together so that it makes it that much easier to remember when our minds are on overload. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, so each, each book has 90 uh, meditations and there's no overlap in the material. So none. Hmm. What's a devotional blogger and how do you connect the dots between faith and real life? Yeah. Interesting. I have been writing devotions since two, I want to say 2007, I guess is when, um, no, 2005 was when my first devotional book came out. That was called 10 minute timeouts for moms. Hmm. And I started blogging devotions in 2007. I'm going through a brand new website update right now. And so I've been going through all of these devotion, devotional blogs. There were about 3,500 on there. And I have deleted some because I read them now and I go, not my best work. So I've, you know, I've taken some down and left the best ones up. But a devotional blogger is like, most of the time, my material comes from just what I've read in my own quiet time. And so I read something and I will write it down in in my journal or in the margins of my Bible. And then I, I will write a short, like maybe three, 500, sometimes 750 words. If I get wordy on those things, um, just on what is scripture saying? I'll start with a story from my own life often, and then weave it in with the story that I've read, the principle that I've read, and just show how it applies to our lives today. Because God's word God's word is not just 2000 years old or more. It's just, it's totally relevant to us today. It's not old fashioned. It is Mm -hmm. relevant to where we're at today. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And I think it's really great that you've got that piece in there because people do need to apply. It's not just, I hear this. What is God saying to me about how to do it? Like sometimes with my clients, I always like to use, you know, the spiritual disciplines to connect them with the heart of God. And so I might say, well, let's just take this verse and chew on it all week. Don't just read it and then go your merry way. Ask Father what it is that he wants you to know. For example, I always give this one right out of the chute. The Lord is near. And how how about how might I look through a difficult circumstance, a tragic circumstance? fear, anxiety, all of that, if I really do believe 
the Lord is near. God, what is it you want me to know about that? And that's yeah. that can be powerful if we just sit with the verse, because I think often, I mean, we don't like to be alone a lot of times. We really want a lot of the noise and the chaos that comes with life, because then we don't have to sit with ourselves. We don't have to sit with God. And sometimes I think folks are afraid of that. Would you agree with that? I mean, I totally agree with that. Because if we're, if we're sitting alone with God and he happens to speak to us about something in our life that isn't right, that means we have to do something about it. If we're going to cooperate with him and we want his blessing, we have to do something about it. Sometimes we don't even know where to begin. Sometimes we don't want to do anything about it because we're quite comfortable where we are. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Who wants to change? I don't want to change on that. I kind of like that. And so, yeah, when we're alone with God, we're, we need to make ourselves vulnerable to listening, hearing what he's saying, and then working with him. Mm-hmm. Rita, one of the verses that's meant a lot to me, as you talk about just sitting in a scripture and meditating on that for a week or more, I love that. I love that, is Psalm 23.1. So the summer I turned 50, I was sitting in my backyard having coffee and had my Bible and my journal, and I said, okay, Lord... Could you please give me a verse that will last me another 50 years? Something that is so good, it'll just carry me through for the next 50. And into my head came Psalm 23, 1. And it was, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I sat there for a moment and I'm ashamed, embarrassed to admit it at this point. But this is how I responded. Mm, I don't think so. That one is so commonplace. It's just so plain, so simple. I don't think that's going to cut it for the next 50 years. But it, you know, the Holy Spirit just kept impressing that upon me until I finally said, okay. And here I am many years later and realizing that that verse, as simple as it is, is absolutely profound. And so this year, when I went through some really hard stuff uh, from the end of last year on into this year, I've, I've come up with looking at the 23rd Psalm and, and coming up with a, a four-part retreat package on that teaching. What do these scriptures mean to us today? The Lord is our shepherd. I've taken it apart word by word and gone into the Hebrew and examined it and said, what does that mean? It is amazing. And if we talk about fear or hard times and all the rest of that, if we know that the shepherd has got us, he's holding us close to his heart, like a real shepherd does with his lambs, we're in a good place. We know that we're in a safe place. Well, that's a great point because it brings me back to what I call a pillar in terms of what's my client's concept of God. Because see, if I believe, especially if somebody's struggling, somebody's just gone through a trauma, like it would have been very easy for me to just say, okay, this horrible thing has happened to me. You know, my beloved husband of all these years, he was Superman. He was a godly man. He was wonderful. And in three months, he goes crazy and takes his life. So I don't believe God's good anymore. Right. And I'm going to try to read a devotional or I'm going to try to sit in church. and I'm going to listen to some of these verses or read some of these kinds of passages. And I'm going to be struggling with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Because my whole concept of God. I'm struggling. Is God really good? Okay, maybe he's good on a global sense, but is he good to me? Because this horrible thing has happened to me. Do you think a devotional can really help people with those kinds of struggles? I believe so, or I wouldn't waste my time writing them. <laughs> you know, I've gone, Go I've gone for through, it, girl. Yeah, you bet. 
I have gone through some hard knocks, like beginning of, well, losing mom. So my mom passed away in 2020, diagnosed on Christmas Day 2019. She died October 2020. I sat beside her that last week and held her hand through it all and was with her when she took her last breath. And you know what, Rita, I, I, oh, my heart just breaks when I hear you talk about your situation with your husband. I remember reading about that and, um, and just hearing you talk about it now. I'm so sorry for what you experienced. And I'm so sorry for pain that people are going through. I think in the beginning of um, 2022, I was looking forward to a better year because 2021, I was still grieving mom. There was other stuff happening. And 2022, I lost a half a dozen friends before March, beginning of March even arrived. And they were all younger than me. Some of them left kids like six-year-old, eight-year-old children. And, um, and I just, it just went from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. I thought this year would open better, but I've lost three friends so far, all to cancer, really good friends. And there are probably nine that I'm praying for at ever, any given time just because of cancer. And I just think, whoa, there's a lot of pain out there. But but I think that if we can, again, go back to the promises of God and know that, yeah, we have to be careful when we go through those hard places, not to view the character of God through the lens of our pain, because then we will have um, a distorted view of who he is. We have to have him, you know, here in front of us and his promises. And we view our circumstances through the character of God and through his promises. And that helps keep it in the right perspective. Um, and that's what I have had to do through all of this. Yuck, I've gone through in the last couple of years. I've had to view my circumstances through the promises of God. And one that's really helped is that someday there will be no more pain. That someday, yeah, the pain we go through now is temporary. It's real. And we have to acknowledge it and what it's done to us for us to begin that healing process. But but to understand that it's it won't last forever. He he takes our tears and he puts them in a bottle. That means he he acknowledges our pain and he he doesn't say, come on, just pull up your big girl pants and get with it. Oh. Snap out of it. But he he values the tears and he acknowledges our pain. And someday everything is going to be made right. And I yeah. hold on to that. Yeah, we just came off of a five-day study at Billy Graham's training center on Revelation that was so powerful. Mm. And again, that that beautiful verse that you are alluding to from Revelations, he will wipe away every tear. This isn't it here at all. You know, this isn't the final straw. We have promises that we can put the anchor down with. And that is so we, that's what we have to keep our mind stayed on is eternity. And I think we keep our minds on more of the created thing. And this life is supposed to, I'm supposed to be happy and I, I deserve this or I deserve that. And that's just not the case. And I think when I talk about concept of God with a person, you know, what I think and feel about the heart of God really has nothing nothing to do with the truth about who he is. I've got to put the put the stake down as I read scripture and I learn about the nature and character of God. The names of God are a great place to start with that. I mean, it's not wrong for me to have feelings about it. I'm not I'm not saying that. But what I think and feel in my finite mind has nothing to do with the truth of God's character. 
And and I think that's another place where I want to, you know, use the spiritual disciplines to have people dig into study and contemplation. Let's pull this apart. Let's look at some of the names of God and see what's true about him and his nature and character, because it's hard to refute that. Doesn't mean we're not going to have suffering and trial, but the scripture also says our light and momentary afflictions are attaining for us a joy that far outweighs them all. And those are the promises of eternity. That's the word from Revelation. And that's where we have to put the plumb line down. Rita, you mentioned the word anchor just a moment ago, and you said how important it is to put our anchor down in something that's not going to shift, right? So back to the sailing analogies, if we were to go into a beautiful little cove here and put our anchor down, but if it were to catch, um, uh, my husband was aware of a boat once it put its anchor down and it caught in garbage that had sunk to the bottom, but the boat drifted because it wasn't set in, in the mud, like you, you can't, in a sailing story, you can't even put an anchor down on rock underwater because the anchor has nothing to catch on. It has to go down into mud that's at the bottom and, and it will catch in that, get stuck, and that's going to hold your boat fast from shifting if the current starts or the wind starts blowing or whatever. And and so if we're in those hard places and we put our, our anchor, we think we put our anchor down into our feelings we are not going to stay stable and steadfast. It's not going to happen. We will shift because our feelings and our emotions are going to change and we're just going to ride that wave, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, but if we put that anchor down in the promises of God and the truth of who God is, as you're stating so well, we will remain steadfast. Amen. And that is so important. I love yeah. that anchor picture. Scripture says he will keep in perfect peace. He whose mind is steadfast, trusting in him. Amen. And I, I, you know, working my way out of the, the darkness through those years after I lost Mike, I wanted my heart to be steadfast. I wanted to redeem this and hopefully, you know, reach back and strengthen others who are walking through the valleys of sorrow and suffering, as do you, my friend. And you've written... I mean, you've done beautiful work and and God bless you for staying the course and continuing to stay in the struggle and the fight because you're touching lives and changing hearts and you're giving people hope. And right now with everything going on in our culture, boy, do we need that because people are losing heart. Everybody up at Billy Graham, why are so many people here to study Revelation? I mean, it was there wasn't a seat in the house. And I think it's because people are really starting to recognize and wake up to how dark things are getting. And I mean, we know that's supposed to happen as believers. We know, but we also know who wins and that's where we need to keep our minds stayed. I think Billy Graham was the one who said, I know how the story ends. I've read to the end, you know, I've Mm -hmm. I've read the book and I know how the story ends. (laughs) And I love that too, because there you go right to the book of revelation. We know who wins Mm -hmm. even though, and we're living in a world now that is, is hurting and broken because of sin. This is not the way God intended it to be, but it is what happened when sin entered the world, but he has sent Jesus to redeem and to restore. And when you think about the word restore, even a little piece of furniture, I restored a dress three years ago. And um, just like scripture says, he restores our soul. I, I poured a lot of work, a lot of sweat into restoring this little, the little forlorn dresser um, into a beautiful piece of furniture that we carried with us through many moves until we had to purge to get onto the boat. And you know what? It was restored to uh, 
a finer place than it was when I first got possession of it. And that is how it is. When Jesus restores our soul through pain, through suffering, through all of those hard places, as he rebuilds, restores, we can come out stronger and better mm-hmm. than we were going into it when we let him have his way, when we don't buck him, when we don't fight him, when we say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the controls. Take the wheel and take mm-hmm. control here and do what you want to do in me through this hard situation. Yeah. Is the most important part of our story what's happened to us or is it going to be what happens in and through us as we walk through these valleys of sorrow and suffering? And we want to we want to come out stronger. We want to come out stronger in him and more steadfast. And I think that's that should be the goal for us as believers. Well, I was going to ask Grace uh, at a time such as this, uh, you know, when we as a country and I know Canada, uh, I, I consider Canada is probably going through the same thing with a mental health crisis. Uh, do you feel that Fresh Hope for Today is a proactive bomb? And how could a therapist or counselor use this with their clients? I do believe that it is like a therapeutic bomb. It's like, um, mm, you know, I, I get emails from readers who say that they will end their day. They'll, you know, climb into bed, but they will end their day by reading one of these. And it focuses their mind on something profitable and healthy and truth when they go to sleep at night. So rather than going into bed and then laying there and and mulling over and regurgitating the stuff that they're struggling with, they're focusing on truth. And um, some will just start the day with that. And, oh, my, I've had emails from readers. One one woman who said that her son was in a just a random drive-by shooting. His best friend died in, in that. And then this boy was shot in the head but lived, you know, amazing. But struggling with PTSD. But now this mom, she's having to walk through these trials of the shooters. And every time there's four trials, they have to relive it, relive it. But she said a book like this is just helping her face the day when she knows what she's going into. Mm. And, uh, you know, widows who have written me and said they've lost their husbands, but they read one of these a day. They read their Bible as well, a longer read when they're, when they're up to that. But, but they often will incorporate one of these little devotions because it's, again, it's so tightly focused that they can remember it. Mm. And so I, I've had counselors buy these and use these and uh, give them to their clients when they're able to do so. And, and it, it is like a, a little, let me say, I, I want to say it is a gift to give to somebody. There's even a little gift page in the front of each of these books where you can write the person's name and the date that you're giving it to them. Yeah, something somebody can hold close to their heart. I I really appreciate that. You know, I I was listening to both of you speak and uh, and, and really converse and minister to each other. And Mm -hmm. I I think that that's what uh, that that really is a gift, too. And uh, that heart, uh, not just a counsel but to minister to each other. Um, I heard that through that. And, uh, you know, Grace, uh, with your works uh, that you've done, and I, I wonder if that, that happens with uh, your first five writing team uh, for Proverbs 31 Ministries. Um, that is, you know, th- that's a gift right there as uh, to each other. And uh, the collaboration between other writers, sometimes you minister to each other through that too, isn't it? 
That's very true. Yeah. I've learned so much about digging into the word by being on the first five writing team. Um, there are a couple pastors. There, there's a whole bunch of levels of editing that happens with those. So I can study the passage it's been assigned and write up the, the lesson and, and make it applicable and engage my readers with a question at the end, you know, that applies to uh, it applies. How do you apply that truth of the of that day's teaching? Um, but while all the levels of editing make me think, um, if I've been too shallow on something, it makes me think I might have to redo something and go deeper and just to make sure that it is accurate. And I have so appreciated the training that that has given me. And and I put that to work in, in these little devotions, too. And so, um, you know, I just see where the word of God is changing people's lives, whether it be a longer teaching like verse five or whether it be a short 225 teaching like in these little devotions, the word of God is alive and powerful. And we yes, can't live without it. We cannot live without it. We're about out of time. I uh, I do want to end uh, this session of Mind Matters with where people can get in touch and uh, get these renewable resources, uh, Fresh Hope for Today, Finding Hope in Crisis, and Keeping Hope Alive. It's a trilogy. Well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I loved it when Rita brought up the names of God earlier. It made my heart smile because during the pandemic, I did an online Bible study for women based on the names of God. Because every time I read scripture, the names of God were leaping off the page at me. And I thought, I need to share this. And so did this online Bible study, wrote the curriculum every week, week by week. And now I have a three book contract with Aspire Press to write on the names of God. And so that's what I'm working on. My first manuscript is due at the end of August and will be released in the summer of 2024 and then summer of 2025 and summer of 2026. So three years in a row, a book of um, and not not devotions. It's called a devotional study guide, but actually it's kind of like the moving from fear to freedom book where uh, I have um, this. There'll be seven chapters. Each chapter focuses on a name of God. I'll have stories from my life on how I have experienced God by that name. I will incorporate other people's stories on how they have experienced God by that name. And then where did that name appear in scripture for the first time? What was the context? And how did Bible characters experience God by that name? Each chapter ends with five questions to take the readers deeper into the word so that they can learn more about that name of God. So... For now, this tri- so there, as, as as far as I know, there won't be more like this, you know, little trilogy of devotions. But I'll never say never because God is full of surprises. So people can get my books anywhere Christian books are sold online. I say go to your local Christian bookstore and support them. If you want an autographed copy, they can come to my website and it's gracefox.com. That's awesome. great. Uh, thank you so much, Grace Fox, for being with us today on My Matters Counseling Culture. Before we go, I want to say that a counsel culture is a healthy culture. We are calling on counselors, churches, and their community to come together in the mission of counseled culture. For renewable resources, go to ritaschulte.com. That's S-C-H-U-L-T-E. And please drop us a line if we could connect you to a church or a counselor in your community. I'm Richard Beatty with Mind Matters Counseling Culture. We hope that you have a great week.